the mussels in South Australia have, and Port Lincoln have a, a quite a sweet flavour, which is just basically what they eat. It's a, it's a special area, and it really does bring something to, to the mussel that we, uh, we harvest and send around Australia. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. Continuing the incredible story of Andy Puglisi's life in seafood, in this episode, we hear of his move from prawns and tuna into mussel farming. The establishment of mussel farming in Port Lincoln was part of a broader trend of aquaculture development in the region in the late 20th century. The industry was established as a response to the growing demand for seafood, as well as the need to diversify the local economy and create new employment opportunities. The development of mussel farming in Port Lincoln was driven by several factors, including the abundance of clean, nutrient-rich water in the region and the availability of suitable sites for growing mussels. The region has a strong tradition of fishing and seafood production, which provided a supportive environment for the establishment of the mussel farming industry. The Puglisi's, with their rich heritage in the seafood industry and a constant hunger to keep progressing, once again found themselves pioneering a new fishery in South Australia. So back in 2000, we were sort of... It was actually a bit before that. Ninety four, they, they, the, the, there was a couple of guys there, a guy called Andy Dyer and uh, and Dave Hockaday in Port Lincoln, were, you know, really Andy Dyer. Um, he was instrumental in it. Where he came from, Western Australia, where he he was sailing in the America's Cup back in the day, and um, uh, he was over there. They were they were mussel farming in in. Um, in uh, Coburn Sound and he said well why can't we do that in South Australia he moved to South Australia uh, I think yeah, he just had enough of Perth moved to South Australia came to Port Lincoln and um, he was he was a carpet layer at the time <laughs> so he uh, he got to Port Lincoln and and checked out um, you know like he was he's, he was a, he was one of the best sailors in Port Lincoln, and uh, he uh, he was out sailing around the bay. And as, as he went past the pylons and the main and the jetty and that sort of stuff, he saw all these mussels, and he's going, "Oh, hang on, they were growing those in in um, in Coburn Sound. Why can't we grow them here?" So he started up the uh, the uh, him and Dave Hockaday started mussel farming in Port Lincoln back in '94. And around that same time, the, the it was put out to the to industry whether you know the, the tuna industry and the old man came to me and said, well, you know they're, they're handing out these these plots of water to to mussel farm. What do you think? And I said, oh well, this well, can't keep saying no to everything. Let's have a go at that. Anyway, we got 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 a plot of water. We put this, we applied for it and re- received it and. And as along with um, thirteen other mussel farmers in Port Lincoln, and um, so there's fourteen of us there, and we got uh, we had a f- couple of false starts um, up until two thousand. Um, down the yacht club, actually, I was just getting ready to go for a sail, and I said, oh, having a chat to Andy, I said, "How's the mussel farm going?" He said, oh, it's going okay. You know, it's just it's hard work. You know, it's it's, it's a re- it was at that stage quite a cottage industry where it was a Andy and his wife and a, and another decky they would go out and uh, they were catching about they were, they were producing about fifty or sixty ton a year. A good year was sixty ton, and he was doing better than most. So uh, over a few beers uh, after sailing that day, we sort of come up with a bit of a plan, and he he would start mussel farming with us, 
and put a couple of lines in the water next year. So we prepped it all up, and at that stage we still had our, our, our tuna farm operation, so we had two boats that were really well set up without a lot of uh, – uh, additional machinery, yeah, they were well set up to do the job. Um, one of one of those boats was a boat called the Maya, which was which was my boat, and uh, it's a boat we still got today. Doing and it, it's it's a backbone of 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 our our, our industry, of our business and uh, our company. So in two thousand, we we put a couple of lines out, and I think uh, our first year of mussel farming. We produced 58 tonnes and uh, we learnt a lot in a very short space of time. Andy was the mussel farmer, not the grower, and uh, I was the seller. We used our, our, our prawn, prawn, prawn buyers and, and our contacts in the, in the Sydney market here and we, um, uh, he grew them and I sold them. And, uh, and that was the thing he always struggled with was, uh, was selling, selling his product. He could grow it, no problems, but couldn't, you know, it was, it was a lot harder to get out of, out of, the, uh, out of Port Lincoln to go and see those, the, those fish buyers and the guys that I sort of grew up with. So it was a lot easier for me. And we, uh, we got stuck into that, and, and each year, after 58 tonnes the first year, we, um, uh, yeah, learned some really good lessons where we got, we started up a great industry and great, great relationships with, our, with, with a couple of buyers, and um, turned around, they, um, we started, a, started their business up in, in, in Muscles, and when we said, just before Christmas, we said, oh, well, Good to see you guys. We've run out. We'll see you next year. They actually still had to. They had customers that had their. They were buying mussels off of them. They had to find it from somewhere else. So they ended up going to our opposition, and we lost some of our sales to our opposition by doing that. So that was a valuable lesson for us to make sure that um, make sure that you've got a customer. The customer's king. You make sure that you. Uh, uh, and from that over the years it evolved that we had a consistent supply of our product and also a consistent quality and that's what the market actually wants they don't want uh, uh, a, a, a poor quality one week and a, sh- and a good quality the next week they want consistency so their customers are happy and uh, you know mussels are a really cheap product out there they're, they're, they're an amazing they're an amazing product uh, with really great health attributes, um, really good food, uh, a good good food, good cheap food. Now the cheapest form of um, protein out there in the market today, and uh, it's a really it's something that uh, I'm quite proud of because we've taken a taken a a, cottage, a a muscle farming from a cottage industry where the mum and dads are, are um, have been been um, uh, really subsistence growing and uh, taken a bit more um, uh, t- brought a lot more technology in the actual how we farm where we farm it what we do with our product once we've processed once we've harvested it and processed it and get it to our customer in a consistent quality consistent um, supply and uh, it's really taken it to a, a to another level or probably another 10 levels up above that. Muscle farming is a great business for the environment because it provides a substantial source of seafood that is produced in a way 
that is gentle and cleaning to the ocean. This makes it an important and responsible choice for consumers who are concerned about the impact of their food choices on the environment. It's also a great business for the farmer because it provides a profitable market opportunity, relatively low cost of production, low risk, as well as being environmentally friendly. We grow our mussels in the New Zealand Longline system and back in, back in 2003 or four, we went across to New Zealand to see best practice. The New Zealand mussel farming is a um, massive industry. They grow 120,000 tonne of mussels a year. In comparison to Australia that produces about 5,000 tonne of mussels a year, it's a big difference. So we went across there to have a look at their, their long line system and they have a, uh, it's like a piece of six, a 16 mil polypropylene rope that's got a, uh, a, uh, a loop weaved into the actual rope to give, make it quite fluffy on the outside, giving it more bulk so the, the so the muscles have got something to hang on to, you know, giving it making it easier for the muscle to hang on to the rope by having that furry outside. With our long line system, we hang our ropes out in the water, and back in June, uh, June, uh, uh, May, June, July, muscles are spawn when the water temperature starts to drop, and that that spawn will uh, fertilise from the male and female muscles, male muscle being the white muscle, white white coloured meat and the females the orange coloured meat and the ones that are sort of a creamy colour they're not real sure which ones they are they're either they're getting ready to be one or the other because there's not enough of one sort <laughs> um, they uh, that that must that that spawn fertilizers and that egg will float through the uh, that that larvae or spat we call it will float through the um, float through float through the water column over the next um, three to four weeks, and once it's it's uh, and, and it's quite intensive eating at that time with all the all the food in the water, and then once it's got to a, a that that four week stage, it attaches to something. We hang our ropes out in the right time, and uh, we collect all our spat that way. But they'll they'll collect onto our muscle rope that we dangle in the water, or they'll make they'll to the backbone ropes, which our, um, our, or the anchor ropes that, that we have there as well onto our floats. They attach to the, the rocks, the um, pylons. They'll attach to you if you sit there for long enough. Um, and uh, then over the next six months, those muscles will grow um, up to about to the size of your thumbnail, you know, somewhere between 10 and 20 mils long in, in shell length. But the problem when what we do is we hang our ropes out in the water, the mussels will collect onto that. And the, because they're microscopic, they, they collect in vast numbers. You know, anything up to, we've seen 100,000 mussels to the metre. There's that many there. But nature weeds out the strong and, and, the, and the weeds out the, the strong stay there, the weeds out the, uh, the, the weak. And, uh, and some of those muscles will move on. When we when when we go to when by Christmas time those muscles are about as I said the size of your thumbnail, and um, they will um, we we harvest those muscles and and reattach them to the rope because there's too many mouths to feed in that meter of rope, and when they're generally around two thousand muscles to the meter, we'll harvest those muscles off 
reattach them to to the rope with a um, the, uh, we put them through a, a hopper that pours the muscles through a, um, a a piece of PVC tube, and on the outside of that PVC tube we have like a cotton sock. Anyway, the the, the cotton sock envelops the muscles, and we we wash those muscles onto the um, onto the rope, into the rope, into the tube. And then the the cotton sock envelops the outside of the um, of the of the muscles and the rope, and we put the muscles onto the rope at about 300 muscles to the to the meter. That way they spread out, and they and and uh, they get it's they get a lot more food per uh, t- for each animal of of what there would be if there was 2,000 muscles to the meter. And over the next six months uh, from they those muscles will grow exponentially. They'll they'll um from the the ten mil muscle he'll end up to be seventy five to um seventy five mils in six months time, and that's when they are ready to harvest. Um, we we recognise that you know our our area where we grow our muscles has got is has a grows a really a really fantastic standard size muscle. We also get the big jumbos that some of the guys are doing in Australia at the moment, but we uh, it, it's it's we have a consistency of of supply and quality to our customer, and we make sure that what they get today is very similar to what they get tomorrow. And um, we the our our standard size muscles that we grow in 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 uh, in Port Lincoln, that's the sixty five to eighty five mil in shell length, is uh, is what we do best. The harvesting of mussels is a relatively straightforward process that requires careful management and attention to detail to ensure the mussels aren't cracked or broken and are of high quality and are safe for consumption. And um, so June is our new season crop. We harvest those mussels. The boys will leave the wharf at about one o'clock in the morning. They'll go out to uh, the, the mussel farm. So they'll pull up alongside the mussel muscle rope they'll with their davits on the side of the boat which is like a little crane they'll lift the uh the backbone rope up up out of the water they'll take the uh the 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 muscle rope with the with the muscles on the outside and they'll pull that through a uh, they'll they'll bring that onto the boat and pull it through a stripper which strips the muscles off of the outside of the of the rope and into a declumping machine which slowly revolves, you know, rotates around and pulls the muscles apart, separating the muscles um, in, a, in a really, uh, in a gentle action that um, we also fill the, uh, the barrel up full of water and it just turns into a little, little washing machine, you know, and the muscles will rub against the outside of, the, uh, of, of uh, rub against the, of each other. And by the time it comes out to the, out into the, um, into the the, the, the the barrel the the grate on the end of the barrel most of all the um, seaweed and bifouling on the outside of the shell is is has been uh, is uh, has been taken off we'll then go over a an inspection uh, conveyor where we have a quick look to pick out any of the uh, the clumps of mussels or uh, you know the other you know oysters or other things that we don't want in our in our in our, our in our catch and then um, I'll go over a grader where we grade the small muscles out 
from the larger muscles. Muscles they'll drop then into a uh, a um, uh, a bulker bag, which holds about 500 kilos of muscles in a in um, in uh, at one time. They'll lift those muscles up put them onto the deck, put some hessian sacks on the top and that's an important part for you guys at home as well. When you store your, if you've taken your muscles out of our muscle bags, put them in a bowl, put a put a, a wet tea towel on the top and um, and put them in the fridge like that and they'll, they'll keep for a lot longer. We do a similar thing on the boat where we put some wet hessian sacks on the top of the, of the, of the, um, of the muscles. 50 kilos of ice on top of that and wash that through. Just start on the cooling process of getting those muscles down to temperature so they can go into our bag and um, they can, um, it's part of the cold chain which starts once they leave the water. Then they, um, once the, that, that, uh, the, the harvest has happened, they'll, um, they'll get, back into the, get back to port by about 6 o'clock in the morning. They'll unload that, those muscles onto the back of a truck and go out to the factory and the fa- our, our, our new factory that we built three years ago. Um, they'll start processing at 7 o'clock in the morning and um, they'll harvest, the, uh, they'll pack those mussels, they'll clean them and they'll put them through a, an inspection table to take out the, the cracked and broken mussels. They'll go over the de-bearding machine, which, which um, as the mussels pass over the de-bearding bed, pulls the beard out of the mussels. And also cleans up the outside of the shell a little bit. They'll drop down into a cooling bath, which um, chills the muscles down, and and um, and they're in that bath for the next three or four mi- uh, minutes. That gets the uh, the core temperature of the fish down to about um, eight to ten degrees. And then it goes um, through a scrubbing machine, which is a high pressure scrubber, and through a a, a, a final inspection table uh, table where they'll pick out any of the um, uh, the undebeated mussels, which goes out to our commodity product, and then the um, the premium grade goes through to our our uh, our vacuum pack machines, which will vacuum pack our mussels in one kilo for 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 um, retail home home use, and also into two kilo packs, which is um, a food service pack. We uh, that was something that uh, I went to Europe to see best practice over there back in the day. Um, back in 2006, and uh, recognised that there was a, a vacuum by vacuum packing our mussels, we can put a kilo of mussels into a vacuum with, with a bit of overpack as well. But put a kilo of mussels into a, a vacuum pack, pull of a partial vacuum, which keeps the water inside the shell. We chill that muscle down to um, between two and five degrees. And by, by chilling that down, slowing the metabolism down, um, those muscles there will have a, uh, a, we've been able to extend the shelf life by 50%. So a typical loose muscle that you see down in the shop, or down the deli counter at, um, at, at Woolies and so forth, has got a shelf life of about six or seven days from harvest. This has been a major, um, uh, a major change in our industry by 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 value adding to our product like that. You buy you sell a kilo, you buy a kilo, you sell a kilo for the for the wholesalers, which is which is really important. And um, you know the thing that I really were, one of the, my ethoses right from the start was to um, by putting it into that vacuum pack. My customer can buy their muscles here in South Australia. 
New South Wales, Perth, Hong Kong, Singapore, Thailand, Dubai. And um, they can experience the muscles there. Like, uh, and, and, and those places are the same as I can experience the muscles in Port Lincoln. South Australian mussels are considered special due to the nutrient-rich waters of Boston Bay where pugs farms them. With a rich marine environment, innovative and environmentally friendly farming methods and state-of-the-art processing, their quality and integrity are maximised. Pugs' Port Lincoln mussels have a distinctive sweet flavour and soft, creamy texture. Touched on this a little bit earlier, John, you are what you eat. Um, and that was one of the things that... Um, that was one of the things that uh, uh, the mussels in Port Lincoln have got. Uh, the, the food that's in the water there is slightly different to the food that's uh, in, in uh, the Western Australian um, fisheries and also in the New South Wales fisheries. New South Wales, Victorian and, 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 and down in Tasmania. The, the mussels from those different areas were quite, uh, from outside of South Australia, are quite savoury in flavour. And in no way am I saying that, that you know, uh, is that, is that diff- uh, any better or worse than our mussels. But the mussels in South Australia have, and Port Lincoln have, a, a quite a sweet flavour, which is just basically what they eat. And uh, it's a characteristic of what our mussels like. Um, and it's, 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 it's just... Um, yeah, it's 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 traditional for what uh, it's not traditional. It's um, it's just a characteristic of of our growing area. It's uh, and that's probably why there's so many diverse um, fisheries in uh, in and around Port Lincoln. There is because of the the high nutrient loadings, the the the, the low freshwater runoffs, and so forth. So. It's a, it's a special area and it really does bring something to, to the mussel that we, uh, we harvest and send around Australia. Pugs is not only an innovative fisherman turned mussel farmer, he's also a true trencherman with an insatiable appetite for good food. A dab hand on the pans, he's also known for his ability to rustle up a tasty feed of mussels at any time of the day or night. Mussels are great. Like the first time I ever ate, ate mussels was with Andy Dyer. We, after we met down at the yacht club there, I went around to his place after work on a Friday night to have a beer and have a bit of a chat, you know, put a bit of a plan in place. He just got a pot, put it on the, on the stove, threw some mussels in there, no water, nothing, just turned the heat on, brought out, you know, a couple of kilos of mussels. We sat there drinking beer and, and eating mussels. It was just classic. You really really basic way of eating a, a, a great you know you really f- taste the, the 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 nuances of the of the flavor profiles of that of that animal you know and it's a, a, it's just to steam the muscles is, is and eating them like that i reckon it's fantastic another one there i've got you know i've got two favorite rest, recipes and one that i i cook a lot is um is steam the mussels and 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 you know cooking mussels one on one guys you get the biggest pot you've got put a lid on put a little bit of fresh water in the or sea water in the bottom of it cook them for four or five minutes stir them two or three times to make sure the mussels all get the same amount of heat at the bottom of the of the pot and when they've popped open and um, they're cooked you don't leave them in there for any longer than that and um, you'll I chuck the mussels straight into the sink, splash a little bit of cold water over the top of them, and then they're ready to eat. 
But also they're ready to, to cook as well. Steam your mussels. Make sure that they're, in, uh, that they're cooked how you want them to. Make a sauce. Add the mussels to the sauce. And then um, heat them through and serve. That way you're controlling the amount of, um, of mussel stock that goes into your sauce. You can add that in to, to taste. But if you make a beautiful tomato sugu and you put your, uh, your mussels in there to cook, each mussel holds about 15 to 20 mils of salty water. It's a great salty stock, really great flavour. But out of a kilo of mussels, you'll get nearly 500 mils of, of salty stock. You put that into a, a, a beautiful tomato sugu, it turns into a tomato soup, and it's quite salty to go with it. So I always steam your mussels first so you can control the amount of um, how long you cook your mussels for and how much salty stock that goes into your sauce. My favourite dish is steam your mussels like I started on before. You'll notice I lose track and go off on a bit of a tangent from time to time. But I um, steam your mussels first, put them into a, um, uh, uh, and I heat about um, 150 mils of, of good quality olive oil. Don't get it smoking hot, just get it nice and warm. Throw in a couple of cloves of chopped garlic to get infuse the flavour and, and a couple of uh, bird's eye chilies as well to give it a bit of punch. Dip your mussels into that, uh, into that oil. Start heating them through and you put in a handful of chopped parsley in on top of that. Ste- um, um, heat the mussels through and serve. A great tappers. It takes... A, to, to actually cook that dish, how I've just explained it, is pretty much as long as it's taken me to describe it to you. It's really quick, simple. It's great flavours out of the of the um, olive oil, garlic and parsley with a little bit of chilli in it. But you can really taste the mussel flavour and that's what I I really uh, prize is, 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 is a beautiful, uh, the beautiful flavours of, of, of our mussels. I also cook um, uh, a great dish which um, I got out of one of Jon Snow's um, uh, recipes of Portuguese mussels um, with, uh, with tomato and chorizo. And um, that's a great dish where the chorizo adds a beautiful flavour through to the, to the mussels. You put in some bird's eye chilies and um, that's a favourite that we have up at Woofer's Shed on a Wednesday night. Part of the part of the chef's tour, we take them up to a mate of mine's place up in up on the outskirts of Port Lincoln there on a Wednesday night, and cook up the mussels there. I've cooked them up a lot of different ways up there. They always love the tomato, and the Portuguese mussels in in tomato and chorizo. And I cook that on with plenty of probably about four or five bird's eye chilies, and after a few beers, everyone really fires into it. It's great. It's it's my favourite. And the cool part about those two dishes, you, they're great on their own. You Use the half shell the mussels so you can just eat them, eat the mussel and the oil or all the to, all the tomato sauce at the same time. It's um, a, a great shared meal, but also you can add that through to a pasta, toss the pasta through to it, and uh, a really fantastic meal for th- three or four of you on a on a on a weeknight. Pugs and his team have built the largest, most technologically advanced, and most awarded mussel farm in Australia. The business has spent a great deal of time innovating and building a range of not only live pot-ready mussels, but also ready-to-heat and serve mussels, providing access and enjoyment to his mussels for both gourmands and TV viewer chefs alike. 
We started our muscles. We did 58, 58 tons our first year. Um, we've 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 evolved our muscle uh, our our, um, our, uh, our farm. Now this year we'll we'll we'll, we'll harvest and uh, sell two and a half thousand tons of mussels. So things have really changed for us. We've we've taken our we, we've got our mussels into each of the. Um, uh, capital cities of Australia and out into the into the regional areas, in a uh, a uh, food service and um, and in, in a retail form, uh, we've since taken it. Um, you know, we've we've got our our mussels, and you'll see our Kinkawooka shellfish and Boston Bay brands in in uh, in Woolworths, Coles, Aldi, and also um, in Costco over in Western Australia. So um, we've we've gone retail with our product now, and 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 you know that it's it's really exciting for where we're going with our, our live mussels, and we've also got our cooked in the bag mussels, which is our long shelf life mussels, which is 500 grams of um, of of um, uh, 500 grams of mussels that have been put inside the pack. They're fully cooked inside the uh, that's the the bag is sealed, and then we put it into a retort fully cook that inside the bag so it kills all the bacteria inside the shell inside the animal and by cooking that like that it gives it a shelf life of nine months chilled fantastic product where you can make your sauce throw your mussels in and and just heat them through and serve and also it's got a great um, uh, mussel stock in there that you can use in your cooking uh, your mussel sauces and so forth and then um, uh, one of the things, our new product that's out in the marketplace now over the last two years is, a, is our Muscle Hot Pot, which is um, a, a tub of mussels. It's got 400 grams of mussels in the, in the top, in the tub, 200 mils of either tomato, white wine and garlic, tom yum or chowder sauces. They're the four different sauces that we've got. And um, that's a... The same sort of technology where we've got a tub of mussels and sauce. The, the, the lid's been put onto the, the, to the, the pot. It's been reheated inside the pot. It's been, no, it's, uh, sorry. It's been fully cooked inside the pot. So that by cooking it uh, to that level there, that gives it a shelf life of six months chilled. That's our new uh, ready-made meal that is out in the marketplace at the moment and is doing really well. I can, you know, the value-added uh, uh, the value-added um, uh, arena in in any of the markets around the place is uh, in 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 the uh, the retail sector is um, is the growing sector for us and growing sector for all of us, I suppose. People are time poor, and you can buy a, pay a packet of our mussels, pierce the lid, put it into the into the um, uh, the hot pot, into the uh, into the microwave for two and a half minutes, give it a stir. And uh, and serve. It's uh, it really takes all the all the, um, the headaches out of coming up with a meal um, for the, you know the time poor consumer. Pugs is committed to the seafood industry like few people I've met around the world. His love for the industry and what it produces is a true inspiration. I'm really passionate about the seafood industry. It's something that um, I've always looked at us as the poor younger brother to the to the, um, the, the, the the farming industry here in Australia. It's um, when you look at what uh, um, you know the, the big powerhouses of, of fishing in the world have done, um, such as Norway and 
Japan, Russia, and those. You know, the fishing industry is a very strong industry. Here in Australia, it's, it's it is the poor younger brother to the the wheat, the wheat, and the grain farmers, meat farmers, the the lamb lamb barons, and so forth. And we, um, it's something that. Uh, uh, I'm very passionate about it. It's a beautiful, beautiful protein that we can put out in the marketplace for, you know, uh, something that is, is unique in, in the world. We've got really great fish here in Australia. We've got great institutions like Sydney Fish Market here that we're in now and the wholesalers out there that, that support the actual, that, that sell the product. Is, um, it's, 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 it's an exciting industry to be in and something that... Uh, I'm very passionate about it because I've grown up in it, and uh, yeah, as I said earlier on, I was a fifth generation fisherman, and um, something I'm proud to. It's an industry I'm very proud to be a part of. Success in the fishing industry often requires a combination of staying informed, flexibility, networking, and hard work and determination. By being open to new opportunities and adapting to changing circumstances, fishermen can improve their chances of success and achieve their goals. Andy Puglisi is one such fisherman. Ever questioning, ever searching for perfection and always attacking his job with enthusiasm and professionalism. Let's see what the next phase of his illustrious seafood career brings. This is Fishtales, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtales Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtalespodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.